Well, good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Anita J, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater out here in Massachusetts. Today is Tuesday, November 21st, 2017, and it's the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page XXV, The Doctor's Opinion. And we're going to start with the very first paragraph, We of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we're going to read his entire letter, ending on page XXVI, which ends with very truly yours, William D. Silkworth, MD. And folks, would somebody make sure they're not, uh, they will, that they're muted? There's a backlash here. Okay, and comments will be made, thank you, whoever that was, on all. Today's readers are for the 12 Steps, Amanda S., the 12 Traditions, Anita L., and readers of the text are Rebecca F., Mary B., and Waiting in the Wings, Julie R. The share ID for yesterday's meetings, uh, Monday, November 20th, are for the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10,692. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, 10,694. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through the abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Amanda S. to get us started by reading the 12 steps. Good morning, Anita. May I be heard? Yes, thank you. Okay, good morning, everyone. This is Amanda S., gratefully recovered compulsive overeater in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. 
4 made us searching in fearless moral inventory of ourselves. 5 admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. 6 were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. 7 humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. 8 made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thanks so much, Amanda S. And I'll now ask Anita L. to read for us the 12 traditions. Good morning, everybody. Uh, This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much, and have a beautiful day. I pass. Thanks so much, Anita L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. 
Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, please let us know by saying pass and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we resume our study in the big book and we are at the doctor's opinion on page XXV. We're starting with the first paragraph and reading through very truly yours, William D. Silkworth, which includes that entire letter. And comments are going to be taken um, on all, all of it. And we're going to have a start with Rebecca F., who will read it for us. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, Anita. The doctor's opinion. We as Alcoholics Anonymous believe that the reader will be interested in the medical estimate of the plan of recovery described in this book. Convincing testimony must surely come from medical men who have had experience with the sufferings of our members and have witnessed our return to health. A well-known doctor, chief physician at a nationally prominent hospital specializing in alcoholic and drug addiction gave Alcoholics Anonymous this letter to whom it may concern. I have specialized in the treatment of alcoholism for many years. In late 1934, I attended a patient who, though he had been a competent businessman of good earning capacity, was an alcoholic of a type I had come to regard as hopeless. In the course of his third treatment, he acquired certain ideas concerning a possible means of recovery as part of his rehabilitation, he commenced to present his conceptions to other alcoholics, impressing upon them that they must do likewise with still others. This has become the basis of a rapidly growing fellowship of these men and their families. This man and over 100 others appear to have recovered. I personally know scores of cases who were of the type with whom other methods had failed completely. These facts appear to be of extreme medical importance because of the extraordinary possibilities of rapid growth inherent in this group. They, mark, they may mark a new epoch in the annals of alcoholism. These men may well have a remedy for thousands of such situations. You may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. Very truly yours, William D. Silkworth, M.D. This is Rebecca F. from Connecticut. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And 
trying to get my timer. Sorry. Uh, I got it. Um, So thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, open with the doctor's, the beginning of the doctor's opinion in his letter. Um, I just want to uh, point out that this is a textbook. It's not a novel. And um, that they start out after the forewords and the prefaces with the doctor's opinion, which so many people in 12-step programs don't even realize. And gracefully, those of you who have started this meeting have brought this to all of us, uh, the masses, as I see it, um, because this is such an important component, the doctor's opinion of the program, and often overlooked. Dr. Silkworth wasn't even willing to sign the letter when the first edition was printed because he feared for his reputation in the medical community. And um, in the second edition, when he saw that it had become commonly accepted, um, his opinion and the program, then he was willing to put his signature on the letter. And um, he is considered a medical saint in the eyes of 12-step people, including me. And um, he really explained to Bill um, the allergy of the body, that we can't have any alcohol. And uh, in our case, just as he said, that um, this remedy could be for thousands of such situations He didn't limit it to just alcoholism, and he was a drug addiction counselor too, so I think he realized that this had far-reaching benefit for all sorts of addicts, including us compulsive overeaters. I also want to just tell you that word epic um, refers to uh, making a new development in marking a new development in an era, and annals refers to historical chronological records. So um, this thing is big and um, bigger than any one of us and bigger than the doctor, and doctors were pretty um, high up there. And thank goodness he had the humility to um, promote and back this organization of people who were um, saving lives, even though they weren't doctors. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you very much, Rebecca. All right, I am going to open it and just say your name once because I'll pick it up eventually. All right? Who would like to That's share? Okay. That's okay. Hold on. Just a minute. Who was the K? Who was the woman's Can- voice? Knessa K. Oh, Knessa. Okay. Okay. Can I okay. Hold on. Hold. Just a Can minute. I-, I don't know, Lord. Okay. Kim G. Larry. Janice. Just a minute, Janice M. Matt M. Matt M. Okay, Matt, I have you down three times, honey. Last, oh. Paula D. 
Okay, and there's one lady's voice that I don't have, so let me say these, please. And um, I'm kind of shaking up the order, because I think maybe we like to hear different voices start us off. So we're going to start with Knessa K, and then we're going to start with Kim G, Janice M, Lauren, and who was the woman's, there was a woman's voice early on. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. Harlan, Vasa, Paula D, and Melissa. And Melissa. Was, there, was there another voice? Deborah B. Deborah B? Okay, all right, there we go. I have you all. And I have Larry thrown in there, too. <laughs> all right. All right, Knessa followed by Deborah. Thank you. Go ahead, please. Knessa K, press star one. Sorry about that. I thought I was unmuted. Good morning, everybody. This is Knessa K, a recovered compulsive overeater from Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, boy, I just don't know that there's anybody that's recovered that does not love the doctor's opinion, but um, there is a particular set of words that jumped out at me this morning, have witnessed our return to health. And um, I, I don't, it's, it, it, what's interesting to me as a recovered person is that I didn't know that I was unhealthy before. I just thought I was overweight and couldn't lose the weight. But now it's so different. Because once I dropped the mic and said, for the final time, I I can't do it anymore. I I I just can't do it anymore. I have to listen to what he says in the doctor's opinion. And that was, I can't eat certain things. I I just can't. And that sounds so ludicrous to certain people who don't know me or know my history or know us as a fellowship or understand the premise of the 12 steps they don't understand it and that's okay i I have resigned from the debating society but now i know what health is and that is it's a fantastic way to live and just a few of those things that came to mind this morning were for about 20 years i was afraid to fly after having flown for many, many years without fear. I I fly without hesitation now. I don't eat certain things and those foods that once were haunting to me um, no longer haunt me. I'll no longer think about them. I don't have, I have situations that come up, but I always know that there's a solution. Um, I wake up every day looking for the gratitudes in life, um, not focusing on the negative. And now when I am in company with people who focus on the negative, I hear it. I hear what I used to be. And 
that's the return to health today is looking for the gratitudes. So coming to the fact that I can't eat certain things because our doctor who wrote this for us told us that this morning, that we can't do other things other people can do. And if we follow these 12 simple steps, others will witness our return to health and then we'll be able to pay it forward. And I know that there's a lot of people that wanted to talk this morning, but again, thank you for all, all of you for being here and thank you for your service this morning. And with that, I'll pass. Have a great day. Thanks very much, Knessa. Um, Deborah. There was a Deborah, wasn't there? Yes, this is Deborah. I'm here. Hi. Can you okay. Hear me? Yes, thank you. And then, then we're going to have Kim G after you, Deborah. Okay, great. Good morning, everyone. Deborah recovered in the grace of the the, the, the For me, the good news about reading this is, um, you know, the verbiage that says that there's this plan of recovery and the word remedy. Uh, for me, this was such. Um, a preface to the vision that would soon come with recovery, which was that there was this, there was a plan. Huh? Uh, who knew? Uh, and it was such a, um, a relief to me to know that. And the fact that there's a remedy, Dr. Silkworth talks about that. And it's so interesting, the paradigm, that if I went to a doctor with a terminal illness and they said, I have a plan of recovery for you and all you have to do is follow this plan of directions, I would, you know, I would, I would certainly be running uh, to, to, to do that. Yet, for so long, I ignored the fact that there was a plan of recovery found in this book and a remedy. And Dr. Silver reminds me of the hope in the pages to come, that that the book provides me with the directions, the plan that I need to be well, the plan I need to move out of the dash of the first step and out of that unmanageability into recovery. And um, you know, and and you know, the fact that he didn't sign his name in the beginning you know, reminds me of the times that I used to go to meetings and not admit out loud that I was uh, a compulsive overeater um, because I was ashamed and I, I didn't think I'd have back. I've lost oh. you. Hmm. Oh. Um, yeah, are you there? I am. You're, you're, you're kind of, In you and know... Out. We're really losing you here. Okay, I, so I I'll know. pass. I'll pass. Thank you. All right, but please call in again, all right? Sure, thanks. All right, yes. Okay, and then we're going to have Kim, Larry, and then Madam. Please go ahead, Kim. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim Jean. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I love hearing the excitement on the line to share today. Um, it says, an alcoholic of our type I had come to regard as hopeless. You know, this is the beginning of, of our book that's going to begin to teach us that food and weight is not our problem. I think the statistics actually say that two-thirds of Americans are overweight. 
You know, I don't believe that two-thirds of Americans are compulsive overeaters. You know, my personal experience is 90% of my friends drank excessively in college, but not all of them were alcoholics, including me. I drank excessively in college. I'm not an alcoholic. So we're going to learn what does it mean to be an alcoholic of the type they're describing here. We're going to learn about this allergy of the body, and we're going to learn about this mental twist. And what we're being asked to do is we're being asked to diagnose ourselves. You know, we're going to hear words in this, in this book called the chronic alcoholic, an alcoholic of our type, as seriously alcoholic as we were. And Dr. Silkworth is going to basically talk about the idea that, you know, 10% of the people who are alcoholics are the type that need this book. So I'm being asked to identify in, am I part of that 10%? So, you know, often I hear people say, well, where's step one? Where's step one in the big book? So as we start to crack open this book, I just want to tell you, those first four chapters is where I get to learn who and what I am. So in this doctor's opinion, I'm going to be given the diagnosis. Do I have the allergy of the body? Are there certain foods, not all foods, that once I ingest them, I have a biological reaction where I can no longer predict how much I'm going to have? And do I have a mental twist? Do I have a mental obsession that even when I'm abstinent, my mind tells me, come on, it's not that big of a deal. You can have one bite. Who would be afraid of a whole wheat, you know, uh, whatever it is that our binge food is? Then we're going to go into Bill's story. And Bill's story is going to be, what does it look like when someone has that disease? And we're going to try to identify in. Do I eat like Bill drank? Do I think like Bill thinks? Do I feel like Bill felt? And then in there, there is a solution. The next chapter, it's, a lot of it's going to describe the other 90%. Because a lot of knowing who I am is knowing who I am not. And then more about alcoholism, I'm going to learn about the larger aspect of my disease. I'm going to learn about that, that mental twist. Why that treating the allergy, which is mean just trying to be abstinent one day at a time, white knuckling, is not going to be enough if this diagnosis of a doctor's opinion that you have that mental twist is, is, the, uh, is what my problem is. So as we crack open this book, understand that these chapters are going to teach us what a compulsive reader is, and it's our responsibility to, to, make, to look at this and come to the conclusion, am I one of them? And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Kim G. Uh, Larry from Chicago. Hi, Anita. Hi, Anita. Thanks for your service. This madness of getting everyone in order here, that's, <laughs> that's really cool. Thanks so much. Larry K. Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to piggyback on what Kim had to say there because it, it was really important for me to get clear on the twofold nature of this disease. That's what Dr. Silkworth uh, did in the doctor's opinion. He, he laid out the problem, this twofold nature, and he elaborates. We'll, we'll, we'll read more he elaborates. But here, here's what, what helped me in understanding at least the first aspect of it, the allergy of the body, because most people don't have that. Um, when I pick up my bin substance, rather than get satiated, satisfied, that, that's what a normal human being does. Now, that doesn't mean they don't overindulge. We, we can overindulge at times when we're satisfied for lots of reasons. But with a, with a compulsive overeater, when I ingest my bin substance, the abnormal physical reaction that I have is not satiation. Not sat, I don't get satisfied. I get 
an amplification for the desire for more, an intensification for the desire for more. And that is not normal. Although I thought everyone got that when they picked up an Oreo or a slice of pizza or whatever it is. No, I, when I pick those things up, the physical reaction I get is an amplification for the desire for more. And it doesn't always happen. It's unpredictable. It's like Russian playing Russian roulette, right? It's the unpredictability. You never know which way it's going to go. Think about this. An alcoholic, not every alcoholic picks up one drink, and every time they do, they need a 1,000. No, sometimes, sometimes they get satiated. And that was, it was a clear, clear understanding that I needed to have to know that it was the unpredictability when I picked up those things. And I did have to self-diagnose. And if I didn't understand the problem, the rest of the big book is not going to make a whole lot of sense to me. Or at the very least, it's going to read like fiction. And I'm not going to be driven to take these steps. And I'm going to repeat the cycle of picking up the food over and over again. And we'll read more about that. But it was really so fundamentally clear that I needed to understand the twofold nature of the disease. And Dr. Silkworth, who had worked with, you know, thousands, some 40, 50,000 of drunks and other addicts, he had a clear sense of whatever they were doing and drying people out wasn't working because a certain number of people would come back again and again to Towns Hospital, including people like Bill Wilson and others. And if I didn't get an understanding, wrapping up here, Anita, if I didn't get a clear understanding mm -hmm. of that, I would never, never internalize that I was and identify in with this problem. And if I don't have the problem, I sure as hell don't need a spiritual awakening to solve that problem. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Larry. Now it's going to be Matt M. followed by Janice M. and then Harlan B. G. Harlan G. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Anita. Thank you for your service. Uh, good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., a compulsive overeater. Um, we at Alcoholics Anonymous, this is a great feeling because this is a WE program. I can't do this alone. So seeing that WE like that with a capital W means that, like, I don't have to go through this alone the rest of my life. I don't have to see it and eat and binge my brains out anymore. I have people I can call. I have some place to go. I have a meeting to come to. I have a sponsor to call. I have friends to call in the fellowship. And this is a, this book was written to precisely show precisely how these first hundred men and women have recovered. And recovered is to regain, to regain a strength and composure of the mental state. And recovery is to return to a normal state of mind, health, or strong bo of body. So it's it's really a good thing that I, I this book isn't really like someone said a textbook. And this chapter is is basically like the first chapter in the book, even though it doesn't say chapter one. It's like the it's like the Rosetta Stone of the book. If you don't have this chapter, if you don't read this chapter first and just get the Bill story, it's not going to make any sense. The rest of the book. Um, it's amazing what Bill Wilson how he got that like that that bolt of lightning that came to him like wow I gotta do this. I know it was God it was God like uh, having a hand of God in there because there was no other way you can't explain it. It just seems divinely inspired how he just decided one day after that third treatment to get up and go out and help other get up get pick up on his bed and walk again and just go out there and help others, you know, and uh it's I'm grateful I'm so grateful for the fellowship who's helped me to rehabilitate myself. And there's a lot of things that I must do in this program. There's there's about 72 musts, I believe, in the big book. I have to do this in order to pass off the scene, and I'd rather not pass off the scene. I'm, I, I, have a, I have a voice, and I'm grateful I'm here, and I'm grateful I have a lot to learn yet. I'm far from done, 
my day I stop learning is the day I die, and I'm, I'm not ready to go yet, so I'm grateful that I'm here, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to learn from all of you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you very much, Matt. Janice, followed by Harlan. Good morning, Janice. Well, good morning to you, Anita J. This is Janice M. from Boston Beantown, and um, yeah, I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. I'm going to just stick to this page. <laughs> you know, we know all about, you know, the allergy of the body, some of us, but this page tells me, it tells us, and the first one, 100 recovered alcoholics are telling us, the reader, that this is the foundation. This is so important because we didn't know anything about the medical estimate. We were getting dried out in hospitals and coming out, and we were, we were, you know, keep coming back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. But when this doctor, who's a specialist, oh, I didn't even put my timer on, um, a I specialist. Thank you, Anita. Um, what's a specialist? Well, you know, certainly I would not go to a dentist, you know, to have a knee replacement because he really doesn't know about a knee replacement. I wouldn't go to a cardiologist to go to, to have my teeth done. So, you see, I'm going to a specialist who has had experience and knowledge and treatment. He's seen he's he's seen this particular patient who is turns out to be Bill come in, come out, come in, and then see him recovered. Oh, my goodness. Sorry. Hey, excuse that that was me. That was my oh. my cell phone. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay. So I'm anyway, sorry. a prominent person, a prominent specialist treating over 50,000, that's a lot of people, you know, 1930s, 50,000 alcoholics, okay? And the idea concerning a means of recovery, wow, of rehabilitation, imagine rehabilitation, restoring them to sane thinking, whereas they didn't know the problem before. And this it, this is the foundation, this particular chapter is the foundation of our whole program and fellowship. Because without this doctor, I don't believe that this would, uh, you know, we wouldn't be here today. And that's why it's so important because he saw recovered alcoholics being recovered and restored. He saw, he experienced, he witnessed, he witnessed health back to them of the mind and the body because the body you could just get dried out you know just don't pick up a, for us don't pick up that food but that wasn't the that wasn't the answer that wasn't the solution so he's seen a lot of methods used just like I have and how I've used it but the prob, the thing in a nutshell here is he the problem was displayed i can't start once i've started and i can't stop from starting that's the whole thing. And if you can tell me this is what happened to you, then I can rely on anything that you say. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Janice M. Harlan G., you are up, followed by Vasa. Thank you very much, Anita, and thank you to <laughs> Team Tuesday for making this meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. 
Dr. William Duncan Silkworth was a neurologist in New York City, unconcerned with alcoholism, unconcerned with drunks. And on October the 29th, 1929, at the start of the Great Depression, he lost everything he had. He was over-invested in the stock market. And his friend Charlie Towns owned and operated the Towns Hospital, 293 Central Park West in New York. And he went to work in November of 1929 at the Towns Hospital as medical director of that hospital for $35 a week. And he observed hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of alcoholics coming in and going out and coming in and going out. And some of these guys would come in and they would fix him up medically and they would never return. And some of these guys were real alcoholics and they would come in and go out and come in and go out as if the place had a revolving door. Let's take a look at some of the things. We don't have, it's just three minutes here, but let's take a look at some of the things that jump out at us. First thing that jumps out at me is in the second little paragraph of the letter, not of the uh, thing above it. It said, I had come to regard as hopeless. And what hopeless means to me is in order for me to recover, I must be hopeless, which means I'm out of ideas. I have to be out of ideas on how I'm going to do this by myself on my own. It says in the course of his third treatment. Now he's referring, of course, to Bill Wilson. And we're going to read Bill's story, but before we do, we're going to set the foundation of everything we need to go forward in the doctor's opinion. But in the course of Bill's first two hospitalizations, and we're going to learn of three, he does not recover. He's clean and crazy when he leaves the hospital, but he does not stay sober. But in his third treatment, he's going to come in contact with the solution to the problems that are going to get laid out here in the doctor's opinion. And the solution that he's going to run into is the spiritual awakening through the Oxford Group Movement's six steps. And he's never, Bill Wilson will never drink again. And then it says he presents his conceptions to other alcoholics, which is a very big part of it, impressing upon them that they must be likewise with still others. In other words, pass it on or die. And then it says here, this man and over 100 others appear to have recovered. There's that word. People ask me all the time, how can you say you're a recovered compulsive overeater? I've had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, and the urge to eat has left me, and I do not eat compulsively, and I do so happily. And then it says here on the next page here something very, very important. It says here, very truly yours, William D. Silkworth, M.D. And why is that so important? Because it wasn't until 1949 when Harry Tebow wrote his famous paper that the American uh, Medical Association, American Psychiatric Association, accepted alcoholism as an illness. Before that, it was treated as a condition of weak will, stupidity, laziness, lack of willpower. And Silkworth said, after the 10th printing of the book, you can put my name in there now. And he died in 1951. But he remains our great medical benefactor. And without him and without his opinion, there is no program of Alcoholics Anonymous and there is no program of Overeaters Anonymous. And I'm dead in Chicago in a piano case. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Harlan. 
Vasa, followed by Paula, and then Melissa. Good morning, Vasa. Good morning, Anita, and good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive Ovita, calling from Florida. And, uh, oh, my goodness, I love the doctor's opinion. Uh, I suffered with the food, food, food addiction for so long, so many years before I came to my first OA pro, um, meeting, and I was sponsored before I came to my first meeting. I was 12 steps. And I was that hopeless person. There was just nothing more for me to, there was nothing left for me to try. And I just gave in into the food addiction. I remember saying, that, you know, nothing has worked so far, so I'm just going to die fat and miserable. And I thank God I found program not too long after that. And uh, I was shocked when I heard and read the doctor's opinion. And when I was told by my sponsor, that, that was good news for me. Oh, my God, and I was so happy. I just finally, finally did solution. And it says here of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I didn't have to do it alone, you know. And I said, this is, uh, uh, you know, and I self-diagnosed myself. I knew about the, the, you know, about the allergy. I mean, I, nobody had convinced me about that. I knew, you know, with the allergy, if I took one and I'd be gone, you know, from one to another. And I started identifying with alcoholic. And I was saying, well, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm just overeater, you know. And, but it's the identification. And then hearing what this hundred people did uh, to recover. And, you know, I was willing and I was ready to do whatever they did. And I'm so grateful for the people that went before me, like Bill W. And, and the stories that we hear, you know, the special editions, even here every morning, how we have recovered. I know for me it was putting those foods down, the allergic foods, and then, um, again, when the mental obsession came back, I'd pray to God, I'd make the phone call, what I did, whatever it took, not to go back to the food. But the recovery, the transformation happened to me, and it still happens by working the 12 steps, being abstinent. And where I wouldn't be here for 31 or two years if I could do it on my own. So thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thanks a lot. Vasa. Paula D., good morning. You are up. And a good morning to you, Anita. This would be <laughs> Paula D., and thanking you for the service given today. Uh, <clears throat> by the way, I am currently from Burr, New Hampshire. So we'll go right where I am today. And as we read this, to whom it may concern, boy, that's unbelievable, just reading those words. To whom it may concern. It concerned me. You know, concern can be a noun or it can be a verb. Very versatile, the word they used. But on that noun, it says, and I just love this every time, a, a matter of interest or importance to someone. And if you want to use it at a, as a verb, to relate to, to be about the story concerns a friend of mine. As we read this, we see this doctor, and he writes, 
I had come to regard as hopeless. Can you imagine to go into each one and to see them as they were coming in, sending them out? Oh, they're back. Three times Bill came back. I'm not going to go into the history. But that part, hopeless, out of ideas. There was nothing. He didn't know what else to do. He put his heart and soul into this. That little doctor, he loved them. As many of us are loved the alcoholic, compulsive eater, or were loved by. The question to me was, are you, Paula, are you out of ideas? And then something opened up. The man and over 100 others appeared to have recovered, and yeah, I'll use that ED ending since 2009. And then I want to end with being mindful of the time. Hmm. I'm going to go to the last thing he wrote before he put his signature on there. And yes, he thought long and hard before he put his signature on. You may rely. Can you imagine this? Look at this. You may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. You want to talk about a transformation. of a life, of a life lived, and all the people that it touches the lives. Thanksgiving becomes Thanksgiving. A holiday becomes a different meaning of celebration. Celebration into oblivion? Not anymore. You become present. You're there to whom it may concern. I thank you for this time given. With that, I do pass. Thanks very much, Paula D. And Melissa C., good morning to you. Hi. Good morning, Anita. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, yeah, so I'm I'm just smiling because it's exciting to hear how many of us are so eager to share on this. And and no doubt because um, that's actually part of the letter, you know, when it, it says like that um, this is part of the recovery that um, working with other people, carrying the message, we're told right here in this letter that that's how we're having rapid growth. Yes, that it's effective, but part of this plan of treatment, not um, if you feel like doing it, but part of the plan of treatment is working with others. Like it says it, right here in the very beginning. So, you know, the doctor's um, opinion, it just doesn't just tell us what the um, allergy of the body is, the obsession of the mind. It tells us the 12th step, that we're going to have to work with others. And um, and that's very powerful for me. And the other thing, um, you know, the, the, to whom it may concern, I was told um, – you can cross that out and write Dear Melissa next to it because you're the one this may concern. And if you're not sure if this letter concerns you, um, go out. <laughs> so go out and try some more um, research and development. Go try the food some more and some more and then see if this letter really does concern you. And, um, yeah, it, it concerns me. Um, I can safely put my name next to it. And, um I was regarded as hopeless. I 
you know, eight years ago, um, I went to a doctor. I needed to have a hysterectomy, and they wouldn't operate on me because my blood pressure was so dangerously high. And the doctor said to me, you are never going to lose weight on your own. I've seen you year after year. You're getting heavier and heavier. You're morbidly obese. You're going to die from this, and you need to have surgery. Like, that's what I was told. You better have weight loss surgery. And, you know, I didn't do that. Um, and thankfully, I had some um, rememberings of Overeaters Anonymous, and, um, and I knew the surgery wasn't going to fix my broken mind, you know. And so today I can say I'm recovered. Yes, my health has been restored. I don't, I don't have dangerously high blood pressure. Um, but beyond that, you know, why is this so successful and everything else fails? Um, because I have a connection with a higher power. I can, um, I can frost a cake and not want to lick my fingers. Like that, um, weight loss surgery could never promise me that. Um, you know, that's the power of this. And we must carry the message. It's not optional. You know, it, this is part of our course of treatment. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks so much. Uh, two or three more, please. Nicole P. Nicole. Nessa R. Nessa R. Nancy R. All right. Let's see. Let's see if we can. Yeah, we be. No, that's we have. Uh, we have. Laura S. It's, no, there's only time for I hope three. So Nicole, um, Nessa R, and Nancy R. Go ahead, Nicole. Hello. Thank you. Um, I am Nicole P from Georgia, and I'm a recovered, <clears throat> a grateful compulsive. Uh, <laughs> excuse me, tongue tied. I am a grateful recovered compulsive reader. Oh, my goodness, um, what Matt said earlier, and I smiled because I wrote the same thing down in my book. The first thing that always stands out to me is when it says we of Alcoholics Anonymous. For me, it does let me know it's a we program. It lets me know I'm not alone because for so long in my young and foolish life, <clears throat> I thought I was alone and that no one else, thought the way I did. No one else ate the way I did. So when I came into rooms and I heard stories of people who did things I did and thought the way I thought, I said, oh my goodness, I'm not a weirdo. I actually have a problem. Now, am I going to sit here and say that I was opening, I had opening arms saying, oh great, I want to join? Of course not, because I still wanted to try it Nicole's way. And I tried it for my way for 10 months and then it didn't work. And when I was finally hopeless enough to say, you know what, my way doesn't work. It's never worked. It's never going to work. I put down my ideas and my little plans. I got a sponsor from a vision. I had my spiritual awakening. I started working with others. And I got this gift, this freedom of, wow, when I learned to trust and a power greater than myself, and realize that he loves me, flaws and all, because I still have character defects. I still am, at heart, a compulsive reader. But for today, I'm not overeating. Life can happen. Things can happen. I don't have to eat over it. And that's not me. That's my higher power. 
The only thing I can take credit for is I have the willingness to do what it says right here. It says plan, the plan of recovery. And for me, that means, okay, I don't feel like doing, okay, guess what? I didn't feel like doing a lot of things, but I have to. Sometimes I don't feel like going to work, but guess what? The bills are going to keep coming, so I have to get off my butt and do it. I have to work these tools. I have to read this book. I have to hone in this knowledge, listen to other people. Because if I fail to plan, I plan to fail. And at this point in my life, I've come too far with my higher power to give up on myself. And I feel like not doing a simple thing like picking up this book and picking up this phone is like spitting in God's face saying, you know what, thank you, but I got it. Leave me alone. And I personally know scores of cases. I I, I look at this and I say I personally know without program, I would probably be in a walk and I'd probably be on some kind of bed rest. If at 24 I was already almost heading to 400 pounds, I can imagine what it would have been like at 28. And Thank you. And with this, I can say thank you, higher power. Thank you, OA. With that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Nicole P. Nessa, hopefully, I don't think, Nancy, we're going to make it. But, Nessa, you go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada, and I'm going to piggyback on what was just said because um, this, the phrase plan of recovery always speaks to me, and it tells me that what's in this book is a plan of recovery, not a plan of abstinence, because if I pursue recovery, by definition, I have to be abstinent, but if I pursue abstinence, um, I, may not, I may not even have that abstinence, and that's exactly what happened to me uh, in the first nine years I spent in these rooms. I, I didn't know about the nature of my disease. I didn't know about the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. And therefore, although I did know about the big book, I didn't really understand or have a need for um, the instructions contained in it. And needless to say, you know, I didn't really go anywhere. Um, I didn't recover. I didn't even lose any weight. I guess by the grace of God, uh, those nine years, I also wasn't gaining any weight, which was great because I was, I was already over 70 pounds overweight. Um, and the only reason I stayed in the rooms, uh, not accomplishing very much, was because I was afraid that if I left, um, there would be 400 pounds out there waiting for me because for the first time in over, I don't know, 20 years, at least my weight wasn't going up. Um, and then um, I, was, I was introduced to the plan of recovery, and as was shared uh, several times earlier, you know, recovery means uh, a return to health of mind and body. Body because um, I'm in a normal body weight, and the allergy, which will never go away, has been kept in check by the fact that I'm no longer consuming the allergens that trigger the reaction. And uh, mind, because I am no longer prey to the mental obsession that keeps pushing me to, to, to ingest those allergens. Um, and so when I pursue recovery, um, I have abstinence, which is a prerequisite for the recovery, and then I work 
the steps of our line here in this book. And there's another word that is key um, here is that that's the word remedy for me. It doesn't mean cure. And because I'm not cure, uh, certainly not of the allergy, but even the obsession of the mind can recur. Um, if I don't do what I need to do, it tells me that this is a plan of recovery. Thank you. That I need to continue working. I need to continue working if I want to keep it. And thank you with that. I pass. Yes. Thank you. I'm sorry. I had to cut you a little bit short. Um, everyone was wonderful today. I want to thank everybody who shared and please, those who didn't get in, please join us for that second hour. Um, it's going to be exciting. The share ID for what you've just um, been participating in, the 7 a.m. meeting, 10,696. And now we'll close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Mary B., will you read it for us? Thank you, Anita. Yes, this is Mary B., gratefully recovered, calling from Newark, California this morning. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.